Hello, everyone, and welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Scotty Hertz. Adam, did you hear about that Whopper lawsuit? <laughs> Goods not as shown? Like, have we ever eaten a hamburger that looked like the picture on one of our tours? I don't think no. so. No, and, w- and what I know about how they photograph food... Um, I, I wouldn't expect it to either. No, but it still <laughs> tastes generally okay, right? So, I've never had know. a bad. No, I've never had a bad Whopper. Hmm. I, I mean, haven't had a Whopper since the '80s, so maybe we should put that on the list. You know, retro. They just well, they just renovated the the, the Burger King on Silver Creek. They pretty much gutted it and rebuilt it. That's all the more reason to go, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those Yelp, those Yelp reviews don't write themselves, if you know what I mean. Anyway, That's it. this show not sponsored or endorsed by Burger King at all. Although, we'll, we'll, no, 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 but not presently, but we'll take their money. Sure. Or some Whopper coupons. <laughs> or some coupons. <laughs> we'll which, work for coupons. <laughs> which come in the mail regardless of anyway. Uh, open Source is a CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show, and you can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world, and we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians, which this week will be Anique Forrest, who is the president of the Canadian Media Guild. And she is going to talk to us about the strike at TVO that is happening now, 11 days old, and what the workers there are fighting for, including better pay and better job security. But can they get it? That is going to be at the bottom half of the hour. Before that, we're going to talk about a few news items from the last week, including Ukraine, the guy that tried to lead a coup against Vladimir Putin was predictably killed, and the counteroffensive on the front line has never really come about. So where does the war go now? But first, uh, the kids go back to school next week. I know that my nieces, Mabel and Elaine, are very excited about going back to school because they're going to be in the same school together for the first time in two years. Right on. So, yeah, they're going to be right across the hall from each other. So pray for those teachers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, folks, um, there was some news in the last week, and there's been a lot of gurgling uh, about whether or not the teachers are going to go on strike in the fall. Different unions were setting strike dates or strike vote dates in uh, September and October. And then Friday afternoon at almost the last possible minute before the close of business on Friday, uh, the education minister, Stephen Lecce, came out and said they have an agreement with the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation, although the OSSTF said it was more like a proposal than an agreement. Um, essentially, they're going to work through arbitration uh, until October 27th, at which point they will see what issues have left to, uh, to resolve, at which point they may go to binding arbitration. Uh, this is kind of a big deal uh, because... Uh, OSSTF is kind of the the big daddy of the unions because it's the high school teachers. I guess Big Mama would be more appropriate since the majority of teachers are women. But um, <laughs> Big Mac, <laughs> big, the Big Mac of teachers unions. <laughs> um, but it is leaving the other three unions out in the cold. And uh, now you have ETFO, which represents elementary school teachers, the Ontario English Catholic Teachers Association. And I'm not going to even attempt the the French name for the French Teachers Union, who are all kind of looking at the OSSTF and saying, you know, weren't we a team? Weren't we a team? So if if the plan for 
Lecce was to divide and conquer. Uh, probably a good week for him if the uh, effort is to, you know, for all the, the all the teachers' unions to sort of use their leverage to twist Lecce into capitulating, watch like he did last time. Uh, they they may have lost some momentum here. Well, most of the gurgling, as you put it off the top there, is coming from the government. Yeah. And uh, the, I heard a quote from one of the Catholic teachers. They said it best. It was like, the government should have more talk at the bargaining table and less in the media. And that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Now, this, th- as we know from our education, Adam, language is very important. Mm-hmm. And you you were saying, you're talking about the contrast between an agreement and a proposal. Mm-hmm. There's very specific language when it comes to collective bargaining. Mm-hmm. And to call it an agreement is actually incorrect. I I, I heard it. Lecce said a tentative agreement. That is absolutely incorrect. Yeah. Because there's a process that has to be followed, a mutually agreed on process. It's also in the constitution of the nation and has been in practice for many, many years as to how this goes. And all the current government wants to do is circumvent that at every possible opportunity by by coming up with this is effectively a side deal Mm. if the ossstf is happy with it it's fine it's not it's not outside of the realm of possibility but they're pretty much they're going to sit until i think it's the end of october right and then they will move into um arbitration Mm -hmm. is that right yes yeah here i am i'm confusing all the terms as well so that's an interesting approach because with an arbiter, you don't get the back and forth mm-hmm. that you would get going through the normal process. Now they're so they're giving it a, a let's call it a two month window. Mm-hmm. What's more uh, in tune with the process is ETFO, the elementary teachers filing for conciliation. Mm-hmm. So they they've been sitting and talking or trying to talk. It sounds like there's always reluctance from the government to come to the table, and then the government will say the same thing about that. Conciliation is more within the process. It's completely within the process, actually, but the government doesn't like it because it's it's just it's more you have a referee that that guides things at the table rather than arbitrator is more like a court scenario, whereas yeah. conciliation is more of a you know, can we find common ground here? So this is, you know, the wheels are still turning in the normal method, let's call it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he always comes on and feigns disappointments. And you know, we got it. You know, there's no way they can go on strike. No one is go. No one's on strike yet. A yeah. strike here. Let, back to the language again. A strike vote does not mean that they're going on strike at all. Right. I, I've I've been in strike votes 95% for like every single time I voted on a collective agreement, it's a back pocket thing that rather than have to take everything back to the members, it's well, if you feel we should go out, then we should go out. Yeah. But they always presented as if it's like, Oh, those spoiled teachers, they're always bitching and they're just, they're just going to go out and they're going to cause chaos. I mean, there's plenty of other things causing chaos in the education system. That's not directly down to the teachers. Right. Right. Well, it's interesting, you know, because I stumbled upon a financial post op-ed um, that was essentially making those arguments like Ontario teachers, a bunch of pampered nimbies and uh, written by somebody who's not a teacher in Ontario, uh, but is a fellow with the Fraser Institute. Of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And what is interesting is that there isn't a lot of that talk. Um, I, I don't know if Stephen Lecce has learned the lessons from, you know, 2019, 2020. Um, I mean, there is definitely some, you know, for him to come out and say it's a tentative agreement and try and sell that as an agreement when it clearly wasn't. Um, especially like at four o'clock on a Friday when he knew people probably weren't going to read the press release too closely. Um, it's, you know, that kind of stinks of dirty pool, but, uh, you know, on the other hand, there's no kind of tough talk expressed this time, which I find interesting. And, you know, I've sort of watching the, the TV news coverage of this, you know, they do these streeters where they, you know, find parents in a park somewhere. And it's like, Ooh, the teachers might go on strike. What do you think? And, Almost, I think probably 100% every time I've seen one of those streeters, the parents are like, yeah, we support the teachers, which mm-hmm. is like, it, it's, you know, that's super unusual because usually they will find the one person who will say, ah, those teachers, ah, they're just making my life so hard because they won't be in school with, with my kid. And like, I don't want to be with my kid all day or whatever. Um, So, I, you know, there, <laughs> it's... It, I, I take an editorial license with those depictions, but uh, oh, I love leave, it. yeah, leaving that aside, <laughs> no, it's it, it, there does seem to be a, a bit of a different tone to this one. People, although they want the kids to be in school, there you know, there's still the acknowledgement that we're still p- kind of playing catch up from COVID. Um, when there was a lot of disruptions in school, people understand that, but at the same time, people are aware that you know teachers in schools today are facing a lot. And, you know, kind of, it's it's not, it's, it's not like a, it's not them playing tough with like announcing this quote unquote tentative agreement, but it, it is a bit of sort of, it, it is a bit reckless in the process to label it as such. And it, it seems strictly as a measure to try and undermine that unity, mm-hmm. that Lachey had such difficult pen- trying to penetrate in 2019. Remember, like the only reason they got a contract was because of the pandemic. The teachers were like, "Okay, there's a pandemic now. Let's just like sign a contract and we'll we'll come back to try and work this out once it's over." Um, you know, so in, in in a very real way, a lot of these issues have been simmering for four years, and you know, I, I hope is I hope it's not a sign that you know the old Lachey might come back and try and I don't know. <laughs> the dirty trick squad back in business who knows well there's there's, there's already hints at that a lot of the a, a lot of what he comes out with plays to the base right the, yeah. the focus on things like the tinkering with the curriculum yeah yeah it's it's i've heard it described as smoke and mirrors to distract from everything else that's going on and, and to and again to make it look like they're doing something pronouns and stuff yeah oh and that too the the pronoun battle is is just a distraction it's it's yeah. just he's throwing that out there and using the coded language like the, as if this is the most important it is an important thing but it's not you know that that's just that's just red meat to the base yeah. right yeah why why is there a, a a march in a couple of weeks in in town or in the what is it the million person march about it sounds like it's protect the kids and the pronouns and all of this plays into that. And they know that mm-hmm. they know that they'll never outright say that's what, why they're doing it. But again, it's, and it's also a, a complete distraction from this too, but also, I mean, and going back to, you were saying this has been over a course of a few years, bill 124, right? Still, still looming large. I mean, that put a 1% cap 
on everybody for not everybody for three years. What it affected? What like th- I'm gonna say three quarters of a million? I only know this because I'm one of the affected. I'm not. A teacher. <laughs> I'm not a teacher, but I'm within that pool of people. So, I guess they're they're seeing that looming and knowing that they've effectively been defeated. It's on appeal. I, that appeal hasn't come through yet, Adam, has it? No, I don't think so. For one twenty four. Yeah. No, it's still like I, I think there was. Uh, they've been trying to get the Ontario government to let it go because it's the Ontario government that take that's taking it to appeal. They appeal everything. But, Right. Yeah, but I mean, they're, they're still Student going. I'm, oh, we'll appeal it. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that they're they're letting because Karen Littlewood. I have to I have to, I have to recognize my Karens because there is a Karen who's the head of OSSTF right now, and there's a Karen Brown who's the head of ETFO right now. So, <laughs> um, but Little Littlewood um, said that you know one of the things that they've agreed to in in, in to in in these negotiations is like finding ways to get around bill 124 and it's like well if you're working with one union to get around 124 and it's you know 124 plays a role in like a lot of the stuff with the nurses um that that we haven't heard a lot about recently but it's still out there um the tvo strike going on right now those people are are you know are limited to the one percent because of 124 and it's like well if you're you know why are we still appealing this it's 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 a huge question um, that's sort of hanging over this. I, you, you don't hear a lot about 124, and I think that's because um, they probably know they're not going to get that appeal. That it's probably going to get held up in the in the court of appeal. So it, it just seems bizarre to me that this is a factor in anything, since apparently they're already prepared to work around 124 with one union. So, well, yeah, and I, th- I think some of it is that they can, they'll go to the table and they'll say, "Well, this is on appeal. We can't really discuss that right now, so let's just yeah. leave it as is." That that'll be the 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 play or the ploy, the yeah. play and the ploy, I suppose. But yeah, that's <laughs> that part of the problem with this deal is that with you know so much doesn't get addressed with binding arbitration if it just comes down to money, which is important. Yeah, if the folk, I mean, and this, I think it's almost exclusively what the this government zeros in on every time like it just it just becomes about the money and when you start going back and forth on that all those other issues that any teacher will tell you about just gets sidelined it gets Mm -hmm. steamrolled and i think that's also um i guess to the government's advantage not to their advantage but you know they'll take advantage of that it's like well we don't really have to to deal with this because it's just it's just becoming about money and keeping right. the kids in school at all costs. Yeah. We cannot have people on strike. It's like, well, <laughs> well, why not? <laughs> What's going to happen? Yeah. If workers have rights, then everybody will want rights. Yeah. It's, <laughs> exactly. It's, as it comes down to, right? It's, like, it's kind of bizarre. Uh, yeah. We have and these rights. And uh, no, you're not going to have them. And, you know, we're, we're the 1% for like another reason. The 1%ers, I suppose. Right, and you're, you're, you know, it's it's also correct to point out this is about this isn't just about money. There, you know, teachers are wanting yep. more support in the classroom. And like, if you have a classroom of thirty kids, you need that extra helping hand. The the educational assistant, you know, there are kids who have like my niece Maple who has special needs and has her own yep. support worker. Um, you know, things like uh, violence in the classroom, like that, you know, dealing with uh, unruly children. Uh, boy, did I just come out of the 19th century with that one? Um, but you know, stuff like that. <laughs> Not that, incorrect, though. That you, I mean, it's stuff like that. You can't like binding arbitration doesn't just doesn't solve that. And, you know, and as you said, like binding arbitration is like, okay, uh, you gave another 
union this and uh this is what the union wants and then we'll meet in the middle and then i'll pa- we'll pack this up and you'll both hate the deal but you'll both take it because this is arbitration and th- i mean and that at mm-hmm. the end of the day that just doesn't solve a lot of the key issues um let's move on to ukraine you probably heard about yevgeny Prigozhin uh going down with a plane uh in a private mm-hmm. plane almost literally two months to the day of his aborted coup d'etat um so if you need any more proof that that was probably not an accident uh that's good proof and i found this out today there's this agency called the interstate aviation committee which is like a bunch of former soviet bloc states including russia which um it's basically their like air traffic investigation like if a a plane goes down Mm. um they investigate guess who's not looking into this private plane crash Uh, um, the people that maybe should be <laughs> yeah so they're not on the scene uh meanwhile like Progosian, they uh and this is all come this all comes from russian sources so it's like you know it's not entirely impossible to think that you you've getting Progosian is like in a black site somewhere being tortured hmm. um but uh, you know they say they confirmed through dna that he was in the crash uh they had a funeral but they also had like uh pretend funerals in in cemeteries all around St. Petersburg, so the media couldn't get a handle on which funeral was the real funeral. Oh, yeah, like Putin's you, doubles, right? You just yeah, we don't know which one it is. Yeah, yeah, it's so but like they put up metal detectors that like sit at the entrance of different cemeteries. It's it's so bizarre. So you know, uh, it seems like Prigozhin finally outlived his. I don't know what usefulness he had, but apparently, um. This guy who took over Wagner, uh, whose name I wrote down somewhere, Alexei uh, Troshev, um, they wanted to keep Prigozhin alive until his takeover can be complete. So mm. um, Prigozhin exits stage left and 10,000 feet down. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's, you know, another reminder uh, that uh, you don't uh, you don't betray Putin lightly. Yeah, I didn't win the pool. I thought it was going to be <laughs> defenestration, which it seems to be a popular option. And probably would have been a simpler option too, right? Because yeah. I mean, as as soon as that happened, I'm like, it's one of those things everybody knows, but they'll deny, deny, deny. It's that, you know, the crew went down too, right? There's, this, there's all of this collateral damage. There's yeah. 10 total, right? So yeah. it's like, but Putin doesn't care as long as his job gets done, right? No. So it's unfortunate that there is that level of of uh, hubris, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. And uh, yeah, so the, the the funeral thing was was weird. It's it's just all sketch, right? So yeah. I guess they were trying to get the the remaining Wagners to sign a loyalty pledge, like you're a like a cub or a young pioneer or something. Like, I, I don't know what, <laughs> how, that, how that works. Like you actually going to trust these people where, you know, the day that it came out, Prokosian was, was, was gone. It's like, you know, we're, we're, it was, there was traffic saying, oh, we're, we're coming for you. Right. I yeah. don't, I don't know how you would trust these guys ever again, but I mean, they, they're the, the, the dirty deeds squad. Like yeah, Putin still needs them to do the, the work it sounds like there's less in ukraine proper right now but there's the, the enforcement arm in africa is still wagner yeah to, taking care of russian interests whether it's oil or gold or diamonds or mining or natural gas i mean that's 
all this sort of sidebar story about the, the assorted coups, maybe not Gabon, but the other coups that are going on in Africa, it, it has the direct hand of this in it, right? Well, you that see, was the, the like people marching, and there's like Russian flags in among the you know, come save us. I'm like, what are you talking about? So, yeah. well, that was the sticking point, right? That uh, Pergosian felt like they were used being used as cannon fodder in Ukraine. Um, and also there's like, there's no money in, in Ukraine. There's no like side hustle from, you know, people giving you kickbacks to protect their, um, resource exploitation, um, you, you know, facilities. So that, that was like the big thing too. Um, the other thing, the other piece of this is that, you know, we started, well, we didn't start, but like in the spring, there was all this talk about this. We're going to have this great, um ukrainian counteroffensive, which hasn't seemed to materialize although there is um reports the the foreign minister of ukraine said they've taken the town of robotine um which is gets them a an, essentially an inch closer to uh the land bridge from um the main part of uh ukraine to crimea um having said that uh it seems like the russian fortifications get only worse the closer you get to crimea like you know trenches and minefields and um bunkers and underground fortifications and and facilities and things um although it, it was announced that uh, the U ukrainians are getting the uh vampire rocket system real name um, mm. from the U.S., which is going to help with drone attacks. Although it seems like Ukraine's been on the offensive with uh, drone warfare. There's another drone attack against Russia in the western part of the country today. So, I mean, it, you don't really... There, there's not a lot happening in terms of big moves, but this is still a very hot war that uh, we're not sort of staying on top of, Dan. Yeah, it has. Been, it's become a tit for tat with the drones for sure. And it, one of the more interesting ones was that the attack that it would seem that the drones flew out of of Ukraine and flew over Belarus several hundred kilometers mm. to take outside military some military planes at an installation that's kind of on the border with with Latvia and Estonia. I mean that that's significant. Uh, and of course, yeah, the R Russians are using them too, dropping them regularly on on civilians among others. It's just you know it. Ukraine put out that drone strike and then Russia will be like, this will not go unpunished. It's like every time they take out the, the Crimean bridge uh, yeah. over the strait, it's like Russia just throws everything they have at an apartment building or whatever's handy. Right. So yeah. both are using kamikaze to the, to kamikaze drones to, to full effect. But as you were saying about the, the, the front though, I, there was this, I guess let's call it a hopeful tone in June that, that quickly became, washed at the the attempts to breach the the russian lines have been really really costly particularly in the in the southeast areas you were talking about there like just stacks of bodies to get to through to robotnia and to try and mm. um carve a line straight down to crimea and cut you know effectively cut the the russian forces in two but then it also sounds like because of of those efforts up in the um I was going to say that the I guess it would be the northeast, right? There, it sounds like there are days where the Russians are gaining traction up there, knowing that all the efforts are going to the south with Ukraine. But yeah, you know, I, I mentioned the bodies. The estimates the BBC reported this week that the Ukrainian losses are higher than estimated; it could be as high as seventy thousand. 
mm. uh, soldiers and 120,000 injured. But the estimates of Russian casualties is even worse. It's like 120,000 total, and that is probably higher. It's been yeah. commented that the like the Ukrainians kind of marvel at the fact that the Russians just don't, you know, they just there's no stop. They're just they'll just go. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so. Yeah, it's it's not exactly a, a stalemate. It is of a sort, but that you know to get through that the first that initial line of defenses and mines and then all the obstructions that you mentioned there, um, that's that's a slog. But then yeah, how every it's almost like every meter is just pure bloodshed at this point. So yeah, it's I mean it's not easy, and I think this the, the propaganda part of this is sort of key. Um, because you know this fight over Robotine is 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 kind of part of that. Like the foreign minister says, "Oh yeah, we took Robotine," and Russia's like, "No, you didn't. We still have Robotine." Um, well, and have you seen Robotine? It's just like it's a, <laughs> a like a country village, yeah, and nothing left now. So it's like what? Yeah, it's just anyway. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it it is correct. It's uh you know it's 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 a lemonade stand and you know two guys waiting for a bus. It's um yeah. It, 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 it just seems like um, the, the supposed big breakthrough we're going to have this year. I mean, it's almost September. It's literally going to be September tomorrow as we go to air. Um, it just, it just, you know, we're we're going to be hitting the two year mark of this thing. It, it just seems like there's no end in sight, which is like really too bad. And you know, maybe it's kind of our fault for you know hoping that uh, there might be a breakthrough here. Uh, hoping, I mean, though he was kind of like a, a really a menace to the international order, Prigozhin probably in the short term would probably be better for world stability than Putin, who is more than likely prepared to go down with the ship with each passing day. Um, yeah, it's just still a mess, and it's it's unfortunate that it's um, just there's just kind of no end in sight. Um, there is, however, sadly, or perhaps gratefully, given everything we just talked about and, and to cite to this segment, and then we're going to take a quick break and come right back with our interview with uh, Anik Forrest, and we're going to talk about more labor stuff uh, as we're going into Labor Day. You are listening to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU, 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And that's from an album that's currently number four on the CFRU chart. The album's called Not Dead Yet. An entire album dedicated to the challenges of uh, working the healthcare system in its current crisis state in Canada. How's that for a pricey? Mm-hmm. The song was called If I Hold On. And mm-hmm. that was Race Boom. Mm-hmm. I thought it was uh, it was going to go a bit deeper than that because Labor Day is uh, September 4th and it's number four on the chart coincidence oh. yes 
time to buy a Lotto Max or take your favorite ticket, I guess. Make sure there's a four in there. Yeah. Well, I think it's the it's the super draw this weekend, isn't it? Oh, is it? Okay, I'll have to get in on that. Yeah, so there you go. Uh it's all coming it's all coming together. Lucky Labor Day ticket. <laughs> um the workers at TVO are probably hoping to get a lucky Labor Day ticket for a new contract. They've been on strike for almost two weeks. Uh, their issues are probably not that surprising if you're even just a little bit familiar with what the current media landscape in Ontario or in Canada really looks like. Um, better pay, better compensation, less contract work. There's uh, so many workers there who don't have the stability of essentially having a full-time job. They're uh, are their contracts being renewed every six months? Actually, every six months, if you're lucky. And we're going to get into that uh, with Anique Forrest, who is a journalist uh, with uh, Radio Canada. But her uh, current gig is as the president of the Canadian Media Guild, which is the union representing TVO workers. And uh, she is going to give us some insights into what uh, those 75 people are fighting for on the picket line and how long they can go. Uh, to get what they want uh, to ensure the stability of uh, their their job security and the security of uh, TV Ontario as an important journalistic and educational resource to Ontarians everywhere. So we're going to hit play on that interview starting right now. Okay, Anique Forrest, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here. Uh, for for people who may not be aware of sort of what the issues are of the the strike with the Canadian media guild workers and uh, TV Ontario, um, can you talk a bit about sort of what I, I guess what the strike is? I hate to put it so plainly, but what is the strike about? Like, what are what are the workers asking for, and what is the government or the Ministry of Education not offering them? Yeah, I I think for the TBO workers, it's been a it's a culmination of many years of um, you know stagnant wages, like a lot of other workers in Ontario. So that's part of it. Um, and the other uh, another part of it, and not a small part, is that the Ontario government or uh, TBO employers are asking for uh, concessions. So um, TBO already has a collective agreement. And in that collective agreement, there's a provision that says that if you've been working for two years on contract, doing work that continues to exist, that's still ongoing work, then you get converted to a permanent job. Mm. Um, and that allows you to have benefits. It allows you to have rights. And if ever that work was to disappear, then at that point, uh, you would have the rights of, you know, um, that come along with having your job disappear. So it, it's important that permanent work equals a, a permanent job. And so that's the point where they, I think that was the tipping point for the TBO members in this. They could not give up that concession. Mm -hmm. So um, this is where it's, that's where it's at. That's, I think that that's the reason that they're on the line is like, kind of enough is enough. We, you know, we, we've been good with our salaries, not asking much. They were at 1% for three years under Bill 124. Mm -hmm. They were at 0% for three years in the last 10 years also. So, all in all, right now, their um, salary is 15 to 20% less than it was in 2012. So that's a lot. And they're not alone. 
there's right. a lot of workers in Ontario that are in that same situation or similar situation. And you put that in the context of like inflation um, and the, the housing crisis in many different areas. And, it, you know, honestly, it's not just Ontario, it's across the country. So workers, um, you know, you've heard it uh, is the summer of strikes. Uh, it's that kind of it's, it's <laughs> people are saying enough is enough. We need to be recognized for the work that we do. We need to be remunerated fairly. Uh, fair wages and and we need our rights we can't just let go of our rights as workers mm -hmm. i think this sort of came as a surprise to a lot of people that there was like so much cooking at tvo which i think people regard as you know sort of a well-oiled machine it's always there it's always there at the the top of the i mean we don't have tv dials anymore but you know when you go through your your tv guide in, in your digital <laughs> box it's it's still you know it's number there. two um yeah. I guess how long TVO is, is there? It's it, TVO is there. So I, I guess how long has this been simmering? You mentioned, you know, 2012 that, you know, th these things have sort of remained unchanged in terms of wages. Yeah, I think what one thing one needs to remember with workers at a place like TVO is that they're working for a public broadcaster. Mm -hmm. People who work there have the uh, benefits or they're there for a reason. They want to um, bring news to Ontarians. They want to bring a service to Ontarians. So they don't go on strike lightly. Yeah. They will not do labor actions lightly. Um, they will wait. They are cognizant also of the overall situation, what's going on in the world, what's happening in the news. And so, you know, they knew that there was tight times and they were being patient. But I think that at this point, the the patience is over. At one point, you have to kind of say, hey, this is enough is enough. I'm, I've given I've been mm. nice. I've been patient, but I deserve to be recognized for the work that I do. And mm. I deserve the, the, the rights that go along with that. So I think TVO, TVO members, they thought about this for a long time. Right. They negotiated for 10 months. Um, they were at the table, you know, negotiating, negotiating, hoping for a better outcome. But at this point, ready to, you know, say, hey, you know, we need more. Right. Is there a concern? Um, and, you know, I've heard these sort of whisperings and, and people in different areas, you know, whether it's labor or people who just don't like the current provincial government, you know, having these ideas that Doug Ford and, and his cabinet would be looking for opportunities to sort of like cut TVO or make cuts to TVO or I guess looking for an excuse. And I guess is, is there a, a political calculus to this, too, that, you know, TVO I mean, we've lived through the pandemic, we've lived through you know, all sorts of things the last few years that haven't been on the top of the to-do list. Is there a concern that, politically speaking, you, you may be inviting the, uh, a potentially, I don't want to say hostile government, but you know, <laughs> a, a government that may look skeptically at TVO and like sort of inviting them to take a closer look now that there's a Yeah, a yeah, you know. It is, it is tough. It is tough for people working in news to... Um, to kind of, especially when they're they're a public uh, broadcaster and they basically their employer is the government, and they have to you know step out on the line, and they're mm. used to not doing that. Mm. Uh, people who work in news don't want to be the news, yeah. so it's a really <laughs> big step for them to actually step out and and, and go on strike. Um, and 
uh, also they not only do they don't want to raise the ire of Doug Ford, if you want, but also they're they they don't want to position themselves mm. against a government for a government. And it's like this is not what they're you know this is not the thing. But at the same time, their employer right now is the government in power, right. and so they have to call that government to account for what they need for fair wages for um permanent jobs for um you know work security job security um and recognition of the work that they do uh, it's not only also news people at tvo as you know right, there's right. people there who create curriculum those mm. curriculums came in really handy during the pandemic when right. all the students were at home Right. And now these curriculums are used by students who can't go to school for some reason, but they're also used by teachers to supplement their uh, their work because teachers are also in a difficult position. They're 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 ha being asked to do a lot, yep. and these curriculums can be very helpful for them. And some of these curriculum producers are the people who are on contract. This is ongoing right. work. Curriculum and curriculum updates are going to continue to be needed. They're professionals. And uh, it's not like, oh, we hired someone on contract because we wanted to create a special program. Right. It's ongoing work. And therefore, people should have, should these people should be under the collective agreement with the rights that come, come with it. Can you talk a bit more about that logistically, you know, that you have, you know, and this goes to sort of the both sides of TVO, the journalism and the education. Um, you know, when you're in journalism, you know this, you're a journalist too. You know, typically in the past, you've had a beat um, <laughs> and, and you cover that beat and you develop a sort of personal institutional knowledge about the ins and outs of that beat. Um, on the education side, you know, we're always learning new things, you know. Uh, science courses have to be updated. Math courses are updated. You know, we're, mm -hmm. we're expanding sort of what we consider in the the realm of uh, English literature and 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 things like that. Um, how does having people on short term contracts impact that ongoing work? Like specifically in terms of like the work itself, but also on the workers themselves. You know, can you do your best work when you're worried if your you know your six months is coming up for renewal? <laughs> Yeah, it's and, and sometimes it wasn't six months. I've, I've heard on the line uh, when I was talking to some of the members that uh, sometimes it was like two months mm. and then four months and then another two months. Mm. And so you you cannot be stable. So what does that do? Well, you know, if you find work somewhere else that's more permanent, you're going to leave and, right. and go get the work somewhere else. But if you don't, or if you like the what you're doing and you want to stay, you live with that instability and that inability to um, get a mortgage, buy a place, uh, even rent an apartment when you can't show uh, the um, landlord that you have permanent work can be difficult. Right. Um so all that is very, you know, keeps someone on edge. You don't do your best work when you're not, uh, when you're in that situation. I, I always say happy workers and, and p workers that feel safe, workers that know that they, you know, their employer has their back, um, will do their best work. And mm -hmm. these are people who at the core of themselves because of the type of work that they do, 
they want to do their best work because they're working for their neighbors, their family, their Ontarians in the whole. So they want to do their best work and, and they're very um, motivated. You know, uh, people who work in, in news in, at TVO are super motivated. They like what they do. I, you know, it, it's, uh, it's very interesting. And uh, it same goes with the people who I think work for the curriculums there, uh, create those curriculums. They have at heart the students, the children, um, you know, making sure that Ontario and Ontarians get the best education possible in all sorts of circumstances. Right. Um, and everybody has a TVO story. You know, this is kind of a, a an, an instance where people have uh, an intimate fam familiarity with what the workers are doing because they can they see it on their screen every every day, every evening. Yes, I, I think so. And, uh, you know, I can only relate um, because. In, in some way, because um, I, I never, I, I didn't grow up in Ontario. Mm. I'm originally from New Brunswick. I, I lived a good part of my life here in Vancouver. But I can tell you as a Francophone in New Brunswick, as an Acadian, um, having access to something like Radio-Canada, which is another public broadcaster who brings, you know, Canada to Canadians and, you know, TBO brings Ontario to Ontarians. Um, it, these services are super important because that's the only way I had access to, um, you know, stuff in French when I was young, you right. know, and as a lot of Ontarians would, you know, come home from school and click onto TVO and listen to TVO and see what was going on there and all the different shows and, you know, Polka Dot Door, Polka Roo and all that stuff. I would be kind of, you know, doing the same thing with, but this is, this is why public broadcasters are so, so important in the Canadian landscape. And it's not just CBC and TVO. We also have APTN now. Right. And they are also very important because they bring the reality of First Nations and Métis and Inu to uh, Canadians and to these populations, these nations. And so it's important to for people to be able to see themselves reflected in what they watch if we only had stuff that's coming in from the states or coming in from other places we would not have our own culture reflected to us mm -hmm. and so you know it's not as interesting sometimes yeah it can be more interesting because it's like crazy you know watching the u.s and all <laughs> the polit politics over there is kind of like a sideshow yeah. but uh, at the same time we want to know what's happening in our own backyards and we know Canada's backyard is huge, you know, mm -hmm. Northern Ontario, uh, Northern Quebec, uh, the Northwest Territories, Nunavut, Yukon. I worked out here uh, covering uh, the territories. Mm. And I can tell you, you learn a lot about our, our own culture and every, you know, everything that's going on in Canada. And this is why public broadcasters have to be funded. They have to be funded so that they can endure and continue and continue doing the work that they do yeah I, I mean and i grew up in ontario and every i think every 80s and 90s kid in ontario who learned french learned it from uh tele francais and from a haunted looking pineapple puppet i mean to this day i can't look at a pineapple in a grocery store and <laughs> not expect it to talk speak french to me but um those are, those are my hang-ups but i i think you know, we're we're developing a certain idea here of of sort of what's at stake, and looking beyond that, and and maybe you don't have the answer to this, but you know, when we're looking at governments 
um, or I guess we'll focus on the Ontario government. How many you know, we, 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 we've come to expect, you know, government, you work in government. That's a good, solid J-O-B job um, where you get <laughs> benefits and, and a retirement plan. But how much of our government is sort of like this, this system of people who are like working on a contract and, and are don't have that certainty and, and, you know, are, are, you know, sitting at a desk somewhere worried if they'll still be at that desk next week. Yeah, you know, over the last number of years, there's been an erosion of, you know, these jobs that are more secure. There's been an erosion of of um, being able to find well-protected union jobs. And it was this concept out there. Uh, you know, I'm I'm in my 50s. Uh, let's be honest. I, I've been around the block a few times. Um, you know, I, I started working um, just you know, at a time where there was a slowdown and they started, the government started cutting jobs, right? So I was a temporary worker myself for over 10 years, you know, and I, let's be eight years. I was, you know, contracts and temporary work, hot seating with people. Um, when you're younger, you know, I was in my 20s. Okay, you know, there's a certain freedom to that. But at the same time, uh, there is, total insecurity you never know where you're going to be and how long it's going to last and mm. you cannot settle down so at that point where you want to um start a family or or um you know have maybe have an apartment that's a con <laughs> in these days it's not, not not so much buy a house but get a good a good apartment that you can afford or something like that that's in a nice place that's not in yeah. a sub basement you know um you need that kind of job security and there's been a thought that you know um being a permanent worker was bad because you needed to change and evolve and get better and better but you can do that with the with the same employer Sure. Or you can still move around. Having a, a permanent job doesn't mean that, you know, you can have a permanent jobs and the rights and the security. And then if the employer needs to, you know, uh, be flexible or change things, then you have your rights as you're, you're told that the work you're doing will no longer exist. Or if you want to move, then there is uh, the employer has rights on how you have to say goodbye, you know. Right. And um, and also, you know, you can move to another job. That I think what people at a time were saying, like, oh, people want flexibility. They want their own things. They want to be able to negotiate their own stuff and and maybe get better if they, you know, the best people they do the great work i'm better than everybody else i'm gonna get better money than everybody yes you get one out of ten that does that but what about the nine other people yeah right you that's why we have collective agreements that's why unions makes us stronger that's why working together uh we can ensure that everybody has their rights everybody gets treated fairly not just the people who are out there speaking strongly able to ad advocate for themselves but the people who are not so good they might be great at what they do they're great employees but they're not so good at advocating for themselves and that's why right. unions are you know and the the importance of of these jobs and collective agreements and having rights it's all in there you know that's what it is i i used to do it from the floor um you know before i became president of the canadian media guild 
Um, I advocated for myself. That's how I started. And then I started advocating for my colleagues. And uh, then I started telling my colleagues what their rights were. And I helped negotiate agreements at one time for, for, for my colleagues. So, you know, all in an effort to make sure that everyone, every worker everywhere is treated fairly, you know, mm. no matter how strong their voice is or not, you know, right. and it's we're we're there for the weaker ones amongst us, not weaker, but like the people who just want to do their work. Yeah. And, you know, won't go and say, hey, you know, but they deserve better, yeah. you know. And they work hard and they go to work every day and they work hard and they put their heart out there for for the work that they do. And they want it to be recognized. The right to strike or the right to labor action is also the right to negotiate a collective agreement. Mm -hmm. And negotiation is always best. But when negotiation is difficult for a number of reasons, nothing is black and white these days, then sometimes binding arbitration can be a better choice to mm -hmm. arrive at a, a fair deal right right so and in the best interest of all you know of ontarians uh you know school year starting um yeah. the the curriculums are going to be needed they're you know they're, they're working on them but you know it's, it's just the managers working on them right now and uh you know that's the delivery is just not going to be what it was supposed to, to be i think the deadlines have passed already we're yeah. trying to you know and i'm our members would love to get back in there and get those done but they won't do it unless they get a fair deal. I guess that's sort of the, the essential question here. I mean, we're, we're, we're recording this Wednesday morning. The Metro workers uh, at the Metro grocery stores yes. in the GTA just hit, got a tentative deal. Uh, they've been yes. out for over a month. Um, I mean, at this point, the TVO workers have been out for almost two weeks. I mean, is, is mm -hmm. you know, we're going to be still here at Thanksgiving waiting for, you know, waiting for a deal. <laughs> is Is that a concern? Um, it's always a concern, you know, when you go out to the picket line, it's always a concern. You have to be clear about what's going to bring you back into, you don't go to on strike just to go on strike. Nobody wants right. to strike. It's not a beautiful situation. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's, uh, it's always a concern at the same time. I mean, we are cognizant of what needs to be done to mm. achieve the best deal possible. Mm. And that's what we're doing. Um, and there's the best deal possible for all. You know, we need to arrive at something that works for the government, but that works for us too, that works for our members, the TBO members, they, you know. And in ultimately, they're the ones who decide, is this what we want? Mm. Are we okay to go back? Or do we stay on the line and, right. and keep on saying we need a fair deal right um right now i see hope i see hope because um you know we're still negotiating the government's still at the table uh there there's talks there's um there's slow movement but there is movement hmm. so you know uh back in 2005 i spent eight weeks on the line locked out uh so that was you know 
And in the end, we, we, we arrived at a, we arrived at a, a agreement that was okay for all. Um, in 2008, I helped to negotiate a collective agreement and that was, um, w- that was interest-based bargaining. And that's a whole other issue. Right. Uh, but interest-based bargaining is also very effective to find solutions that are good for all in a, in mm. a good, in, in a better way, I find. But, you know, um, whatever method arrives at an agreement, a fair agreement is the one that we will, you know, we, we, that's what we try to do. We endeavor to do. We have a great um, lead negotiator for our group. We have a great bargaining team. They've been working really hard. Um, And the employer has been at the table, you know, talking and negotiating. And so we'll keep on doing that. Um, and just uh, to your point, this is actually day uh, 10 of the strike. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> keeping tabs. <laughs> keeping but tabs. They're, you know, they're, yeah. Yeah, they're holding st- on strong and, uh, they, they, you know, it, it, we are backed by a great union. Well, we hope uh, that a fair agreement is uh, not too distant in the future anyway. So we'll have to leave that there. But uh, Anique Forrest, thank you so much for all your time today. And thank you for uh, leading the good fight for uh, TVO workers. Uh, I know they appreciate it. And I think I'll, I'll think a lot of Ontarians do too. Well, I'm happy to be here and uh, happy to discuss the issue anytime with you. Okay. And once again, that was Anique Forrest. And... Uh, we reserve the right to uh, to have an updated thing if uh, if the strike isn't over by the time this goes to air. Or uh, I mean, it seems seems unlikely it'll be resolved. I mean, then again, the the metro strike was suddenly resolved on Wednesday. They got a new deal there, so it's uh, it happens, right? Yeah, or it could be binding arbitration. Who knows, right? <laughs> Scotty, how do you feel going into this Labor Day? Uh, I've mixed mixed. I mean, I think it's great that all the workers are standing up for themselves in so many different areas and developing relationships across, you know, different types of labor. Mm. But at the same time, when you've got the, uh, the iron fist in Queens park and other places, the man is still the man and other ones looming. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a bit disheartening, but, uh, all the best to all my fellow workers out there, union and non. Yes. Yeah, so happy Labor Day to everyone out there who uh, marks the occasion. Think about uh, your fellow workers and uh, think about how you can make things better out there in the labor market. And uh, yeah, I have, I have nothing else to add. Uh, that's the no barbecue our- this year, though. Yeah, that's true. That's a, that's sad. So that's maybe sad. that's why I'm bummed out. Yeah, no, there's no Scotty Hertz performance by the river. It's, uh, yeah. I'll have to do a live stream or something. Ooh, that would be nice. <laughs> that would be good. Live stream. Um, if you'd like to listen to our show again, you can download it every Monday from our website at theopensourcesguelph.com. You can get at the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or from your favorite podcast app like Apple, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can stay connected to us on social media. We're on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire, and we're on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. I will be back here on CFRU Wednesday at 3 p.m. for the movie review show I co-host called End Credits. In the meantime, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, or you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Twitter, and Blue Sky. 
And if you're joining us at our regular time on a Thursday, please stay tuned for Turtle Island Underground. And remember, open sources, have it your way. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was a throwback to the start of the show. Yes. Um, full circle. You can, <laughs> <laughs> you can hear all sorts of great programs, including the one that Scotty just mentioned and many, many more here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. As for this show, we will return next Thursday at 5 p.m. for another edition of Open Sources, and we will see you then.